0: 8.3, the effects of the Cold War. Here's your central question. In what ways did both the Soviet Union and the United States seek to maintain influence during the Cold War? This is going to affect a bunch of people. Here we go. With the start of the Cold War, new military alliances for both mutual protection formed in different parts of the world. The threat of nuclear war kept the U.S. and the Soviet Union from starting a war that could end in unprecedented global destruction. But proxy wars such as the ones in Korea and Vietnam resulted in millions of deaths. In a proxy war, a major power helps bring about a conflict between other nations, but does not always fight directly. These conflicts underline the political and philosophical divide between the superpowers. The superpowers faced off in Cuba and and several other Central American countries, as well as in Africa. The combination of military, economic, and nuclear influence across the globe made the world a tense place for decades after World War II. The war, the two superpowers had worked together to end. All right, let's go into Allied occupation of Germany. This is a little confusing, which is why I gave you a map. Two Germanys. The conflict among the Allies after World War II was highlighted by the debate over how to occupy the defeated country of Germany. The Allies agreed to divide Germany among France, Great Britain, the US and the Soviet Union. The three Western allies ended up leaving after combining their zones into one democratic country called West Germany. The Soviets would keep East Germany as a satellite communist country. The Berlin blockade, the allies also decided to divide Germany's capital Berlin into four zones. The three western zones would become a free city that was located within the soviet zone of germany i know that's weird the soviets wanted to stop these western plans and control all of berlin they set up a blockade of all of the western zones in berlin to prevent the west from moving supplies into the area by land the western allies did not want to risk a military confrontation with the soviets and ultimately began the berlin airlift through this operation, the Allies flew supplies into Western zones between February of 1948 and May of 1949. The Soviets basically finally gave up and lifted the blockade. Um, if you look at the map, the idea is, you're, if you're um, the Americans, you're flying from the green area of West Germany into that yellow area, which is controlled by the Soviets and landing in East Berlin, uh, landing in Berlin. And if you look at the little superimposed, they're landing in the West side and feeding those people. Okay. Uh, Berlin Wall. As citizens of East Germany saw the prosperity and democratic lifestyle of West Germany, many wanted to move to the West. Between 1949 and 1961, about 2.5 million East Germans fled. However, the East German and Soviet governments were determined to keep people in East Germany. They knew that people fleeing to the West reflected poorly on the communist system, and it was hard on their economy. They first set, set up barbed wire fences patrolled by guards on the perimeter of East Germany and between West and East Berlin. In August of 1941, sorry, 1961, excuse me, they began replacing the fences in Berlin with a wall, which became known as the Berlin Wall. Between 1961 and 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell, soldiers killed about 150 people as they tried to escape over it. All right, NATO, the Warsaw Pact, and other alliances to defend themselves against the Soviet Union and their satellite nations several Western nations created the North Atlantic Treaty Organization known as NATO in April of 1949. The treaty pledged mutual support and cooperation within the alliance against conflicts and war. The idea is somebody gets attacked, everybody will help out, right? It's original members were Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Great Britain, Iceland, Italy, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, and the US. The NATO membership expanded over time. The Soviets' response to NATO was the Warsaw Pact, created in 1955 in Warsaw, Poland. Albania, Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and the Soviet Union were the original members. Warsaw Pact nations combined their armed forces and based their army leaders in Moscow, the capital of the Soviet Union. These nations were also known as the communist or the Soviet bloc. There's another one, Southeast Asia Treaty Organization, or CETO, which was formed in 1954 by Australia, France, Great Britain, New Zealand, Pakistan, the Philippines, uh, Thailand, and the U.S. And it was an attempt to halt the spread of communism in Southeast Asia. Okay, now let's get into this proxy war idea. The ideological – it's a hard word for me – Cold War was accompanied by hot wars in Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Caribbean. Um, Hot wars means you're actually fighting, cold war means you're not fighting, okay? These wars were called proxy wars because the armies of smaller countries were proxies or stand-ins for the two superpowers. These wars often combined specific local issues such as a battle against colonialism or for land reform. You'll see those in 8.4 with the international conflict over the spread of communism. Though proxy wars occurred in small countries, some resulted in millions of deaths. Two of the biggest confrontations were the Korean and the Vietnam Wars in Asia. In both instances, the countries were split into northern and southern sections. In both countries, a communist government ruled the northern section. All right, let's talk about Korea. Just as the victorious powers divided Germany after World War II, they also divided the Korean Peninsula. The Soviets occupied the north while the U.S. and its allies occupied the south. The Korean War, which lasted from 1950 to 53, began when North Korea, invaded South Korea in an attempt to unite the country under its communist leadership. In response, the United Nations voted to defend South Korea militarily. U.N. forces supporting the South Koreans came from 16 member member countries, but the U.S. provided the largest number and the overall commander, General Douglas MacArthur, same dude who did the island hopping in World War II. The Soviet Union did not send troops, but It sent money and weapons to North Korea. Thus, it becomes a proxy war. The UN forces pushed back the North Koreans across the uh, inter-Korean border and drove toward North Korea's border with China. The Chinese allies of the North Koreans and concerned that the UN forces would try to invade China as well sent Chinese troops across the border. So now they're jumping in and ended the war against the United States and its allies. After three years of fighting and some 4 million civilian Military casualties, the war entered in a stalemate. The two parts of China, or excuse me, the two parts of Korea remain divided at what's called the 38th parallel with demilitarized zone in between. No military could be on it. They remain divided there today with no end of war treaty ever signed. Okay. Um, The Vietnam War. Uh, You'll see a lot of this in seceding readings as well. Uh, the U.S. president at this time, Dwight D. Eisenhower, in the 50s, followed the Truman policy of containment. Sent, uh, so he sent military advisors to South Vietnam to train the South Vietnamese army and to prevent a communist takeover by North Vietnam. Eisenhower's successor, President John F. Kennedy, increased the number of advisors from 1,000 to 16,000. Some U.S. citizens believed America could not afford to lose a confrontation in Vietnam. They thought a communist victory would weaken U.S. prestige around the world. However, the United States was supporting an undemocratic and unpopular South Vietnamese ruler, Ngo Dinh Diem. In 1963, a military coup overthrow with U.S. support soon overthrew Diem. In 1964, the next president, President Lyndon Johnson, sent more U.S. troops to South Vietnam. Johnson believed in what's known as the domino theory, the idea that if one country in the region became communist, the other countries would soon follow. Johnson feared that China and the Soviet Union would bring all of Southeast Asia under communist rule. Eventually, after a long war, the North Vietnamese, supported by China and USSR, would defeat the U.S.-supported South, unifying Vietnam as communists, and they still are today. Uh, let's look at Cuba, the Bay of Pigs crisis. Uh, Fidel Castro and other communist revolutionaries overthrew, overthrew the U.S.-supported Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista in 1959. Castro soon set up a dictatorship in Cuba, and the new government started to take over foreign-owned industries, which was a common communist strategy. These companies included several American oil and sugar companies. In 1961, the newly elected uh, president... Of the United States, John F. Kennedy had grave concerns about the president presence of a communist country located only ninety miles from the coast of Florida. Kennedy and his government backed a group of Cuban exiles who opposed Castro in an overthrow attempt. They gave uh, the United States gave these people a bunch of weapons. The resulting invasion, uh, called the Bay of Pigs invasion, was a total failure. Even worse for the United States, it cemented the Cuba-Soviet alliance. Because, well, let's get to the Cuban Missile Crisis. In response to the Bay of Pigs, the Soviets began to support Cuba with arms and military advisors. Soviet premier, a guy named Nikita Khrushchev, who came to power after Stalin, saw an opportunity in Cuba. In 1962, he placed nuclear missiles, he shipped nuclear missiles to Cuba. Khrushchev felt justified in his actions because in the summer of 1961, the U.S. had placed nuclear missiles in Turkey, a U.S. ally ally that shared a border with the Soviet Union. In October 1962, U.S. intelligence learned that more missiles were on their way to Cuba. Kennedy ordered the U.S. Navy to protect or prevent the missiles from reaching Cuba. He called his action a quarantine because a blockade was technically an act of war. Regardless of the term, the two superpowers were on a collision course that threatened nuclear war. Ultimately, the two leaders pulled back from the brink. Khrushchev called back the Soviet ships and removed the missiles that had been delivered to Cuba. In return, the U.S. pledged to quietly remove its missiles from Turkey. After this incident, leaders of both countries realized that Better communication between their countries was needed. So in 1963, the two countries set up what's uh, what was known as a hotline, a direct telegraph teleprinter link between the U.S. and the Soviet leaders' offices uh, as a red phone. Uh, another one here, Angola. I know there's a lot of a lot of different conflicts. Just following along. Angola, the Portuguese colony of Angola in Southwest Africa, won its independence in 1975 after 14 years of armed struggle. The borders of Angola like those of many newly independent African countries have been set by the European colonial powers with little regard for traditional traditional regions. Rival ethnic groups were thrown together under one government. Angola was more multi-ethnic empire, uh, consisting of three distinct cultural groups than a nation state in which everyone shared a common culture. Each group had fought for independence. Each wanted to control the country's lucrative diamond mines, and each was supported by other countries. The USSR and Cuba ba- uh, backed what's known as the Bundo tribe. Uh, South Africa backed the Av- Av- Bundo tribe, and the US backed the Bengkongo tribe. Don't worry about those details. Just know that there was that big backing on each one of these sides. Upon independence, of course, a civil war broke out. In 2002, after 27 years of fighting, the rivals agreed on a ceasefire. However, threats of violence from militant separatist groups remained. Contra War, another one in Nicaragua, uh, 1979, a 43-year-old a three, a 43-year dictatorship from the Somoza family was ended by the rebel Sandinistas, who called themselves socialists, which many communists identify as. Two years later. Uh, opponents of the Sandinistas, known as the Contras, tried to overthrow them. From 1981 to 1988, the Contra War gripped the country. So as the Cold War, the U.S. heavily backed the Contras with covert support under the Table Support, while the Sandinistas were supported by the Soviets. The Contra War took the lives of tens of thousands of Nicaraguans. Test Ban Treaty. People worldwide worried about the deaths and environmental harm from nuclear war on or nuclear testing. 1963, the Soviet Union, the United States, and more than 100 other nations signed what's known as the Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. Uh, this agreement outlawed testing nuclear weapons above ground, underwater, and in space. The goal was to cut down on the amount of radiation that people would be exposed to as a result of nuclear weapons testing. Underground testing remained legal. In 1968, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, which means proliferation means growing, called on nuclear powers to prevent the spread of military and nuclear technology and materials to non-nuclear countries. All right, so I know that was a lot. Keep in mind these proxy wars. Uh, if you've ever seen the game of uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robot, that's what's happening here. You're not fighting that person directly, you're fighting through somebody else.